All right. Um, I'm not sure what GPS means. Is it Global Positioning System or something? Is that what it is? Outstanding. Now, I know that you know that Ruth and I took off for our 50th uh, wedding anniversary, which was last um, November 22nd. And the gift to her from me was to take her down to see her sisters that are um, all older than her and some not in good health. Now, the last time I drove to Florida, I had a 1968 Pontiac. Okay, so that tells you how long ago. And we even got a text while we were driving to Florida from my son, Jonathan, because he can, I don't know, something with an app, he knows where I'm at. I'm supposed to know where he's at. He knows where I'm at. And he texted me, he says, what, what are Yin's crazy teenagers doing? But what I wanted to say to you, that's how long it's been since we took this trip. From 68, we just took off one day. We were so young. Um, so I punched in this little address to a building that never existed when I was down there. And that global positioning system took us right to the doorstep of that place, 900 miles, uh, 13 hours later, right to the doorstep. And I trusted it, even when it didn't feel right. Because I have been there, Ruth did start to remember some of the places because her parents lived there. And we're going, I, I said, Ruth, I'm going to trust this thing. Because we're thinking right, and it's saying left. Took us right to the door. Global positioning system. Okay? Global God's positioning system, right? It'll take you right to the doorstep. Listen, even when it doesn't feel right, especially when it doesn't feel right, don't waver from this thing. When it tells you and you don't feel like it, and I swear this is wrong, don't pay any attention to yourself. We'd still be wandering around somewhere out there if we listened to what we felt like, because we had been there, and I know where to go. Please. And that's what we're going to try to do this morning. All right? We're going to try to get ourselves back on track. title this morning's message is a plateau, because we all deal with something. Everybody, you know, sometimes if you have a message and you can think, well, you know, I know about this one, and actually I'm doing fairly good about this one, and, and you kind of just sit there politely. But this one has to do with everybody that has flesh. So if you have no flesh, don't listen. Seriously, flesh. I think our flesh makes the devil sometimes like a Boy Scout. Seriously, my flesh. I don't, I don't know if there needed to be a devil. All it had to be was me and my flesh, and I am an, a, a horrible person. This flesh. After all these years of serving God, I think I was 24 when I got right with God. And all these years later, and I'm still with this flesh. The Galatians 5.17 says this, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, at carnal nature. I'm not talking about this skin, the carnal nature that you are made of. It lusts, it lusts against the spirit, fights against the spirit, and a spirit against the flesh. So all of you are having this warfare, and I hope you realize it, because if you don't realize it, you're probably losing. It says, these are contrary the one to the other. Isn't that so? So that you cannot do the things that you would or should. You can't do them if you let the flesh rule and reign. It's impossible. It's contrary. There is a fight, a war going on in you. 
Even after all these years, if you want to take me for an example, the fight doesn't get any easier and it doesn't calm down. In fact, it gets more frustrating because I feel like I should be so full of the Spirit of God, I should be triumphant in everything. <coughs> Matthew 26, 41 says this, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh this lousy, stinking flesh is weak. That which I want to do, that which I plan on doing, that which I make a time slot to do, I still don't sometimes because of the lousy flesh. Stinking, rotten, good-for-nothing flesh. It's weak. So I have found this to be true my entire life. My entire life. Now, it might have been wrong thinking to think I would be awesome by this age, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's wrong. I should be so good in God and reading the, God, reading the Word of God for all these years. Man, but that flesh, my gosh. Exodus 24, 12 says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. Okay, we've preached on this before many years. God's telling us to climb the mountain. You understand that the Lord is always going to keep calling you up. Up this mountain. And some of you do like to climb and have talked about it and you go to Tennessee and those places. Mountain climbing is not easy. So Christianity is not easy. If it were, the masses would be doing it. So it's not. But God will always tell you, come up and be there. And he says, I will give thee tablets of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. It's a constant climb you've been called to. Now the flesh wants nothing to do with that. Flesh is weak. The flesh hears commercials like, ah, oh, you're worth it. Spend the other $25 on a five cent thing because you're worth it. That's what the flesh gets into. But this is a constant climb. And uh, the title of the message was Plateau, and the definition for plateau is a raised area with a level top. It's where you stop climbing. It becomes a point of stagnation. You think you've done well, or you wore out, whatever it is. For whatever reason, you hunker down and just stop. And sometimes throughout my years of serving God, I fear a number of times I have been plateauing. You can feel it. You can sense it at times if you're really truth to yourself. Plateauing in God. When God says, come up. You just kind of become stagnant in everything. Maybe you're not really losing ground, but you're certainly not taking any. For God and for the things of God and your heart. Maybe you're, we are in need of some fresh oil. You ever ask God for fresh oil? Remember, I always tell you the story with Ron Holscher from years ago. Maybe a lot of you don't know him. He's an unbelievable mechanic, and he just took care of me and my children's cars. And every time I called him about a hiccup, he would say, did you check your oil? All the time. Sometimes I would just pull over to his place. He'd pop the hood, and I'd start shaking because I knew I'd never check the oil. <laughs> and that's the first thing he would do, pull out the dipstick, and then he'd sniff it. And then he'd look at me. 
And I hope that God does that to us today. Check your oil to see if it's fresh and clean and not dirty, stagnant and worn out. Psalms 92.10 says this, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Receiving fresh oil is realizing you need to have fresh oil. And after that long trip to Florida and back, I started thinking, i got to get my oil checked. Because that used up a lot of miles on that oil. Because I need fresh oil. And we know that the enemy loves to wear us out. And not just time with church stuff. This, this, this Christmas has got to be the busiest time of anybody's life. Ever. You're probably trying to work one job at least, maybe two, raise two kids, three, maybe four. And then you've got to throw Christmas in on top of it. It's just sometimes it's just impossible. And so we can get distracted. We can get worn out. We can get tired. We can start plateauing out before we even realize it. And I used to always sing that. It's the best time of the year. What's that song? It's the best. What is it called? Wonderful time of the year. And to me, that was January 2nd. It was. It was when all this stuff was over. Because for a pastor, midway through November, it's pedal to the meadow on top of all the cares of the people and the preaching in the church. Because you have this group, you've got to have that group, you've got to do this, you've got to have that, you've got to take care of this, you've got to buy this present, that present. And so we can start to plateau and become stagnant in the things of God. And then the enemy comes on top of us. In Daniel 7, always we have used the scripture, he shall speak great words against the Most High. And then you, you hear what's going on in our nation and the laws. And it's just out and out a, a, an attempt to actually literally destroy our nation. And so he says, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And that wearing out is that to harass constantly, constantly. And I'm not talking about one heroic stand you got to make, some big, gigantic uh, giant in your life. you got to make this heroic stand and take them out. To me, that's a lot easier than being constantly harassed over and over and over and over. It's like wears you out. It's a type of torment even they use in wars, though keep a big light on you forever and play loud music and not let you sleep. It's a constant harassing, 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 so you'll break. Plateau out and say, you know what? This looks pretty good about right here. We made some progress. Let's just slow down, cool off, hang in there. I'm wore out. You know, it's a lot easier to die for the Lord than to live for him. You know that? It is. I mean, you just die right now. Everything's over. All the pressure, all the trials, everything. It's over. I mean, if you're right with God, that's the way it is, man. It'd be just sweet. But the enemy's plan is to get us to plateau out and to get us stop climbing. To stop. You understand what I mean by climbing? I mean, you're going up the rough side of the mountain and you're, you're trying to get a hold of God deeper than you ever have, trying to be used of God, trying to be profitable for the kingdom of God. God's showing you things a lot more than you used to see down there because you're drawing closer and tro closer to God. And God says, come up, new hope, and be there.
Exodus 13 again says, And the Lord went before them by day, a pillar of cloud, to lead them in the way by night, as a pillar of fire, to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. In other words, it's the presence of God would move. Listen, the presence of God would just move. You understand what that is? That's when they were in that tabernacle and all the people camped around the tabernacle. A tabernacle was the type of the presence of Almighty God with a fire pillar of cloud by day and fire by night just roared over top of it. And all of a sudden, it would move, get up and start to move, and you had to pack up. That's it, we're moving! God didn't say anything about it. He just expected you to go. When he moved, you moved. That's the way it's supposed to be. When God moves, you move. And that's what that scripture is meaning. That packing and unpacking all the time. Desert after desert. Hot trial after hot trial. Maybe not much of a life or even water. A constant wearing out. So the enemy uses all that to get this to plateau out, to get you, to get this church to say, you know what? I've been sick so long. I'm all right. I'm sick of working three jobs. I'm done. That's what the flesh loves. That's why I opened up with the spirits with, or the scriptures with the spirit against the flesh, a constant warring contrary to one another. God has a plan and the enemy can't stand it. Wants nothing to do with it. So the Lord said unto Moses, come up to the mount and be there. And it goes on and says that you might teach the people. I'm going to give you the laws. I'm going to give you the commandment that you might teach them. Do you understand? That's what God's wanting to do. He's wanting you to come up and continue to grow in the things of God and start telling others. Telling others. What happens, the enemy gets us to plateau, and we cool off, and we start looking inward, and we're done. And the church is sunk. We've got to fight against that. It says this in Romans 3.1, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Verse 2 says, Much in every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Whether you like that or not, God says, I have chosen them, a small people, not a large people, and I'm going to make them be the ones who are committed with the oracles of God. The oracles of God means the mouthpiece of God. He made the Jews the mouthpiece of God. God says, I have lots to say. I have lots to do, many to save. I'm going to speak through people. I'm going to pick the Jews, and I'm going to make them my mouthpiece. And now you and I have been grafted into that vine if you are a born-again Christian. Born again according to the Word of God. Not man. Truly in love with God. You now become that mouthpiece of God. You now speak for God. I don't care if it's in Kroger's or where. God has chosen you to be His mouthpiece. So we are called to teach His commandments. The church is called to be the truth center. Where can you find the truth in our nation anymore? Now, I don't care if you like Fox News or not. I think they're all messed up. But if for whatever reason, Fox just quits, we're in trouble. I don't know. Where, is there anywhere else you can hear the truth on TV? I don't even know if theirs is all true. But just think if that was gone. That's it. 
And all you had is the fake news, however biased they want to be, whoever, which one they want to slam and not trust. And whichever, I don't care which, if it's donkey or L, I don't care what it is. Just think that there was none. And God said, that's the way the world's going to be, yet you and I have to be the truth center. You, wherever you're at in life, whatever you're doing. But if you lose that desire, if you lose that hunger, if you plateau out, you're not going to be anything to anybody. And that's what the flesh does. That's that war that's going on right now. You should be stirred more. You should be. You know should be. And then there's the flesh. Well, I'm just, I don't know. It's so busy. And I can't take another gift. We can't buy any more kids. That constant back and forth. Isaiah 59, 14, and this certainly is today. Judgment is turned away backward. Justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. That scripture has just been magnified in the last 10 years. Listen to what the New Living Translation says of that scripture. Think of today. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. How about that? I don't know when, but I'm telling you, they're going to come for the pastors. They're going to come to shut us up. Because, see, they hate the truth. They hate the truth. That's why you see what's going on. You cannot be plateaued out. Are you going to be part of that? You're going to fall for it. This is why the church must continue to climb the mountain of God. You must. You must continue to keep climbing. I don't care how you climb. Just climb. Philippians says, uh, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that word press means? That word press means to pursue. Pursue in a hot manner. Now you've all seen that, right? You've all been maybe driving somewhere and all of a sudden you hear them sirens and lights go on. and That guy is doing that to catch somebody. He's in hot pursuit after somebody. And he's saying that is an example of how you and I should be going after God. Come on, when's the last time you threw your lights on? When's the last time you went to your kids, wife, buckle up, and you're going after God? That, That exposes how lousy this flesh is, is it not? constantly you flip the light on and the enemy goes turns it back off flips it on you constant never once does he let it go you must continue to fight well his big ace up his sleeve is he's figuring is you'll just give up you'll plateau out and say look we've gone this far So if the enemy can start to get you and I to look inward, or just this church to look inward, start to worry about ourselves more than the cause, start looking for a plateau to just kind of hunker down, then self kicks in and the church is done. We're cold. We're not going to affect anybody. But this morning, can't we break camp and start to climb again? Can you possibly hear the voice of God and say, come up?
and be there. Come up. I'm telling you, there's not one he's not calling. This is not a book just for men or just for women or just for Germans or Italians or blacks or whites. It's to everyone. And God is calling us. Come up. And I know, and I know, I know me. I know sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just got it up. But it's that GPS. I'm like, all right, that just, just doesn't feel right at all. And it took us right to the doorstep to a building that never existed when, when we were there before. And that's what God will do. He'll take you to places that you never thought you possibly ever could get or be, exist in if you continue to follow God and fight the flesh right now that's wanting to keep you. Even now as you hear this message, you know, about, you want, come on, we've got to break camp and start packing. And you're going to go, oh, here we go, or here he goes again, or whatever it is. That's what the flesh does. Please, let's break camp this morning. Let's set our face to get a hold of God. And listen to this. Even as I'm writing this, I'm going, wish I could. See, because I've got a lot of years of trying to restart this in me. More than probably most of you. And then I just remember this scripture. Psalms 29, 11 says this. Look, the Lord will give strength unto his people. It's not me. It isn't. I have to choose to follow God, yes. I'm a free will moral agent that has to choose, yes. All I got to do is go, yes, and the strength is there for me to do it. Because that's what God says, I'll give you the strength. But God will not make me say yes. And so I have to, and you have to, a new hope has to this morning. We cannot get stagnant, we can't get complacent, we can't plateau out, no matter how far we are, maybe above every other church. That's not good to say, but I'm making a point. And you're going, oh, there's that down there, there we are. There they are over there, there and here we are up here. Uh, please, break camp this morning. Let the Lord give you strength. Exodus 34, 29 says this, And it came to pass, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, Moses wist not or knew not that the face of his, skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Shone, isn't that? That means to shine. It means to send out rays. You understand? Seems like our nation is into Marvel superheroes. God's talking about, I'll make rays shine out of your face. The glory of God will just sparkle. It will just be radiant out of this church. God says, I'll do that, and you won't even know it. We heard a testimony of that on Thanksgiving, if you were here, about the glory on people's faces. Did you see it today when you were shaving? I got the same old face. But God will do stuff. He'll do it. To send out rays. Exodus 34, 29 says, And he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. That's because God's doing it. God is. I can't understand. This scripture is so simple, and we do little kids' songs about it. I don't, we've never gotten the gravity of this scripture. It talks about you are the light of the world. 
You are. Glenn, you are. I'm Glenn. You always remind me of your dad. Eric, you are the light of the world. <clears throat> Think of that. The light. We are. Of the entire world, the Christian is the light of it. No wonder the enemy wants you to plateau out. You see, you must climb or we become stagnant, idle, and do nothing. That's what happens if we don't climb. That's what happens to me. That's kind of the biggest struggle I'm having right now is where I am in life. Bringing on Pastor Jason, who takes a big load off me. I got more time than I ever have. And I'm like, yeah. First I went, yeah, it be. And then after a little while down the road, I'm going, ooh, this is dangerous. Dangerous. <clears throat> Listen to this. Remember the word enthusiasm. It comes from the root word to be possessed by God. Now, the enemy always gets the glory for that, mess, that, that word, possessed. Because when he does possess people and they freak out and act weird. But there's a good side to that. There's a good side when God says the enthusiasm is the Greek root word is being possessed by God. Being so full fire of God and the rich power of God and the glory of God that you freak out and do things like witness. How freaky is that? When someone is really filled with the Holy Spirit, the passion inside them will manifest in words and actions, won't it? Doesn't it, do you catch fire when you talk with somebody or you buddy up with somebody that's really into God? And they're just roaring, fired for and you're going, oh, yeah. You're trying. Isn't <laughs> it true? And you want to be around that person because there's just something about them. Well, it's that passion. It's that zeal. You kind of, sometimes you just become louder and bolder for God. More intent on filling God's mission. More sincere in what you do and loving others. Wanting to be involved. Pick me! I'll do it. It just happens. Holy zeal moved Christ to throw people out of the, out of the temple. How would you like him to come in here now? He comes in with his cord, a whip in his hand, and he goes, you, get out! We don't look at Christ that way. But he did it. Did you read it? He did that. He was consumed with his father's house and zeal for God and the holiness that he made a whip. Christ! Well, he's got the little baby manger. We should have one up here with him with a whip in his hand. Maybe dressed like Indiana Jones. He did it. John 2, New Living Translation says this. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple, in the church area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. What do people see when they walk into our church for the first time? Jesus made a whip from some ropes, chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, coins all over the floor. Whoosh. Threw it everywhere, tingling, money rolling, everything. 
kicking cattle out, throwing tables over. Because he was consumed with the fire of God, the passion of God. He was grieved at what was going on. Verse 16 says, then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get out. Oh, how awesome would that be? Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples, what do they remember? Remember the prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. Passion, fire. He was possessed with the holy power of God. And it caused him to do things that made others go, <laughs> Look, even the Jewish leaders, verse 18, demand and said, what are you doing? You're acting like a madman. Because he was possessed with the fire of God. Hmm. Today's zeal, today's zeal should move us to pray like never before, preach like never before, give like never before, fund missionary works, love the lost like never before. That's what that zeal should be causing you to do. I mean, it just should. Sunday morning, 15 minutes before church, cars will be warming up and the lights will be going. As you're waiting for your kids. Come on. When our fire cools off, we lose interest in God's word. Every one of us just say guilty because that's what happens. We neglect prayer. We compromise with sin. Mm, let's go see that movie. There are only 16 F words. Compromise with sin. We seek out preachers who are just as cool as we are. You understand, you don't want to sit in the church that's fired up. That guy would drive you crazy. So you find someone that's lukewarm. So you don't have to be confronted with sin or hear anything that has to do with it. So this morning, would you allow the Lord to check your internal thermostat? Can we just be honest today? It's busy. world's crazy. News is depressing. Sometimes Christmas is just too tight, too hard, too much money. How hot is your zeal? It's I always try to be transparent. So... It's been a while since I've preached on a Sunday, maybe a month, maybe somewhere around there. And so extra nervous because I haven't done it for a while. And I always liked kind of a routine rut person. Proud of it. Don't bother me. I love my rut. My rut. And so I like to go to McDonald's and get an a egg McMuffin and an orange juice. So I'm just about ready to turn I'm coming down the interstate, and off the interstate comes a big bus, tour bus. And I'm going, please, Lord, don't let him, please, Lord, don't let him go left, don't let him go left. So I'm behind, please, Lord, don't let him go to McDonald's. Oh, he's in McDonald's. He stops in the middle of the parking lot. I can't get around him. Flashes. 758 people are coming out of the bus, and I'm all aggravated just aggravated and I knew it was impossible to go in and it's about you know I got the church truck I don't know how wide it is let's just say it's 
eight foot wide and there's a six foot spot and I'm thinking ah, I might be able to get through there and go around the bus so for some reason the bus driver kind of pulls over a little bit I'm like, oh. and I go make the turn and turn the corner there's another bus <laughs> and so I wasn't quite godly <laughs> it's crazy Bruce will understand just wanted to run over everybody. Don't you know I'm trying to get to church? <laughs> so, make it short. I, I did get by. There was no one in the drive-thru line. They took my order. Two minutes, I'm driving back with my order, and I'm going, great, Lord. I'm really good. I'm really powerful man of God. That's what we are. That's what all of us are. It's stinking flesh. It just kind of ruins everything we try to do for God. And so seriously, while I'm in my office, and I have this before me, and I'm just like, well, Lord, okay, I understand I am a donkey, and I understand you will honor your word no matter how the fool I am, so please just honor your word this morning. Over an egg, McMuffin. Probably two bus full of lost people. My... Big McMuffin. How sickening can flesh be? How sick can it be? So when we lose our zeal for God, we become inactive pew sitters. We do. We do. Don't mess with my spot. When our fire cools off, we lose interest in God's word. We neglect prayer, compromise with sin, seek out other preachers. It's always the same. Same story, different faces. Same thing. So we need the Lord to check our internal thermostat because I can't see it and you won't tell me the truth. I'm fine. I'm fine. But answer this. Has it been a long time since you shared your faith with someone? Sometimes I zip in, zip out, and driving home and didn't even think of it. How could I not think of it, Lord? After all these years, I tell God, how can I not think of it? So when's the last time you shared your faith? The Spirit of God is flowing out of you to touch others, your zeal. If it's not happening, your zeal is growing cold. Just admit it. You see, because God's the fixer this morning. Remember we preached a message years ago about striking a match. We need a match. I need that. I have tried to strike matches all my life to keep myself going because the flesh doesn't give up. It doesn't stop. Have you, have you allowed compromise, sin, to regularly distract you, just kind of slow you down, push you off the target? Have you become addicted to worldly habits? That's sapping you of your spiritual strength? Whatever they are. The world is anti-Christ. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a baby cute baby contest. Is it distracting you? Taking you away? Everything that kids are into now happened on Sunday. Everything. Do you see the underlying plan, blueprint? Devil wants to replace your passion for God with sinful de desires. It's a trick, it's a trap. Beware the trap.
There are traps set out there for you. Right now there's traps all around you. You can't see them, but God knows. Have you allowed resentment to turn down the temperature of your love for God? Nothing will freeze your heart faster than bitterness. You're dead in the water. You let that happen. And every one of us have two or three or four or five or eight dozen reasons to be bitter. You think. It'll stop you cold. Have you been overcome by discouragement or worry? These are, are weariness. These make you plateau. What do you think, honey? With the couch go here, right here. You start putting up stuff and not hearing the call of God. God's on the move. He's telling you, pack, come up, climb. And you're putting in more flowers around here and more over there. And you're adding on. God's still moving higher and higher, getting farther away from you. Sometimes our zeal wanes because we need a fresh encounter with God. And that's what I want you to have today, a fresh encounter with God. But you have to be willing. You're the one. Give Him your fears, your frustration, your anxiety. Give God all that stuff. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir your heart again, to blow upon you again. If you feel you've plateaued out, big disappointment, big heartbreak entered your life, doesn't matter what it is. As long as you stop climbing. Romans 12:11 tells us this, not slothful in business. Now, every one of us have hired somebody to do something. And when a guy's finally done, if he's a bum, slothful, started work at 11, you expected him at 8:30, you don't hire that guy back again. If he's dirty and messy and leaves your yard full of shingles or whatever, yeah, that bum, what a bum. Look at this. Well, and the Lord says, don't be slothful in business. This business, God's business. Don't be slothful in it. He tells us to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know that. That fervent means to be boil white hot. And it's so hard for flesh to maintain that. Because it hates it. It doesn't like that agitation and that bubbling and that fire hot. Can't stand it. And God says, that's how you are to serve me. With those lights flaring and them siren blaring and pedal to the metal in hot pursuit of me. So this morning you've got to stoke the fires of your spiritual passion. If they're cold or maybe they're even dead, that's all right. God's got plenty of fire to pass around. Just don't go through the motions. I'm going to prove this to you, that it aggravates God. Do you understand? Slothfulness, ho-humness, eh, lack of days, it, it aggravates God. Here's a modern-day prayer meeting found in the Bible. It's found in 2 Kings 13, verse 14. You're praying for an answer from God. You want an answer, okay, whatever it is, or the church does. It says, now, Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. 
And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, wept over his face, and said, O my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. In other words, all that fancy word just said, Dear Lord, I'm up the creek. I have no paddle. I need your help. I'm so outnumbered. I don't have the strength. O father, O father. So he's praying to Elisha with Elisha. So Elisha gives him the answer from God. And Elisha said to him, Take bow and arrow. And he took unto him bow and arrow. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. Okay, you got the picture. And he said, Open the window eastward. Eastward was where the enemy was. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot! And he shot. And he said, The arrows of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till you have consumed them. The enemy's out there. He's undone. He's overwhelmed. He's literally shaking, crying for help. And he says, shoot, bing, towards the enemy. Okay? But he wasn't done. And he said, take the arrows. Take the rest of the arrows. You know this story. And he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. Three times. So he's got this huge prayer request. He's got this heat of the enemy. He's got this sickness consuming. His kids are away from God. They can't come back. Our marriage is destroyed. The church is cold. And he's saying, strike the ground! And the picture is, he went, tap, tap, tap. Okay? And what was the answer from the man of God? Verse 19 says, And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Thou hast thou smitten Syria till thou had been consumed. It was his lax. It was his, eh, this is stupid. This is dumb. This is silly. Praying out loud, getting into it. Eh. And it ticked God off. He said, You should have smacked him five or six times, and then they would have been consumed forever. But since you just went, you'll have three victories. That's it. Do you understand? There was no passion, no drive, no consuming, no flipping over tables of the enemy, no driving them out of your family. Get out! You've taken my kids long enough. None of that. So God says, You'll have a few victories. But he was mad. He was mad that he didn't have enough faith to believe God, that God can do it. And most of our prayers, I don't know, do we pray with faith? Joash's lack of faith manifested in his half-heartedness smiting the ground. Prevented him from destroying the enemy. You and how you present yourself before God and how you get into it. And I'm not talking about theatrics. I ain't talking about that at all. I'm talking about being in it, being consumed with God and going after it. And the flesh causes us to stop and plateau out. So let's stand. Here's your altar call. God has equipped every one of you with arrows. And God wants you to take them out.
in the same sense it was as if I think even in the Old Testament the idea of that was he was to just shoot just keep letting them fly and he would have totally defeated it's not so much tapping the ground but that makes its point just to let them fly that's what God wants you to do when you come up here and start praying we don't we don't we've fallen for the can we have a moment of silence our nation's falling apart the world's crazy church is dying 30% of people go to church I wonder what kind of church they go to I mean I do and we're calling for a moment of silence what do you think God's doing So I want you to take your arrows this morning and smash them forcefully on the ground at least six times. I want you to be filled with God the Holy Ghost so you can become serious in your spiritual darkness. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care. Don't run to tell me what you're going I don't care. I don't care what you're going through. That doesn't mean I'm careless. It means my God is so powerful I don't care what you're going through. I don't care. And you come and you smash these arrows to the ground and you tell Almighty God, I need fresh oil. God, I've got to have fresh oil, please. Fresh passion, Lord. I feel myself plateauing out. I feel myself getting squeamish. Backing off, cooling down, whatever you want to call it. You come up here and you smash those arrows to the ground and you ask God to be filled with God, the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. 